Okay, I think we're ready to get started. Let's pray, Lord, as we open our Bibles now, we pray that you'll teach us, uh, enlighten us, open our minds to take in what these verses mean, and especially their meaning for us today. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to start with a scripture in Galatians 4, verse 4. Uh, the Apostle Paul reflecting back on the birth of Jesus uh, in the town of Bethlehem. He said this about this event, Galatians 4, verse 4, But when the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons, and I would add daughters. So he describes Jesus' birth, the coming of the, the Son of God, as taking place when the time had fully come. What does that mean? Why didn't Jesus arrive on this earth before the time that he did, or after in history? Why was he born at that specific time and under those specific circumstances? Well, you know, God has a timetable for everything. He planned the perfect time for Jesus to be born into this world. It wouldn't have been good to come earlier. It wouldn't have been good to come later. He came at the perfect time. And you know, God has the, the perfect timetable for each of our lives too. And, and thank God for that. <laughs> but I wanna talk about this a little bit today, that God made preparations in the world for Jesus to be born and to complete his earthly ministry and for the growth of the early church. His timing was perfect. How was it the right time for Jesus' life here on earth? If he had come earlier or later in history, it would have been much more difficult for the things written in the New Testament about Jesus to come to pass. And for that matter, the birth of the New Testament church. Well, Looking back into history, Jesus lived during a time of unprecedented peace and prosperity in the world. Historians call this period of time Pax Romana. In other words, the peace of Rome. When you look through history, and I enjoy studying ancient history, history has been filled with times of war, times of turmoil and conflict. But it just so happens that the time that Jesus was born was a time of peace in the world. And when I say in the world, we're talking predominantly about the Roman Empire, because that's where Jesus lived. That's where the Middle East is located. The Roman Empire in its glory reached from, well, first of all, all around the Mediterranean Sea. All those nations were included in the Roman Empire. All of Northern Africa, and all of Europe going all the way up to the British Isles. That was the Roman Empire, perhaps the greatest empire that history has ever seen. This period of time called the Peace of Rome lasted for 200 years, and it lasted from 27 BC to 180 AD. Now you all understand that business about BC and AD. You know, at some point in history, in fact, it was a monk who lived around the year 525 AD, 
came up with an idea for, idea for counting time. So when you go back into history, how do you figure years? Well, it all surrounds the birth of Jesus. He is the fulcrum of time as we know it. In other words, anything that happened before the birth of Jesus, those years going backwards in time were called BC, before Christ. And the years counting after Jesus' birth, more modern times as we know it, were labeled AD. And that stood for Anno Domini, which means the year of the Lord. So Jesus Christ separates time by everything that happened before him, before Christ, and everything that happened after his birth, Anno Domini, in the year of the Lord. Now, that makes things easier to understand, except for a couple of points. Uh, the monk who designed this whole way of counting years was a little bit off when he designated zero to be the birth of Christ. Actually, as time has gone on, we've seen a little bit more clearly that Jesus was born actually about 4 BC. That's the year of his birth, as, as best we can tell. And in modern times now, in fact, if you go to college and uh, they're talking about ancient history, they will never use BC and AD to designate before and after Christ, because in modern times, people don't want to use the word Christ in any way. They don't want to offend those who don't believe in Christ. So the years before Jesus is referred to now as BCE, before the common era, they call it. And the years after Jesus' birth, they call CE, the common era. So that's the way it's designated today for whatever reasons. But it's interesting that even those people who don't believe in Jesus Christ, to this day, they reckon their years around the birth of Jesus. This is 2023. In other words, 2023 years after the birth of Jesus. That's what we live today. That's how we designate our year today. So during this period of Pax Romana, or the Peace of Rome, Stability and ec economic prosperity was extant throughout the Roman Empire. It was a special time that had not existed before. And this is the time that Jesus was born because God the Father determined this would be the perfect time because Jesus needed to be able to travel. He needed to be able to communicate. He needed, uh, especially as the church began and the gospel spread throughout so many nations, there had to be peace there at that time for that to happen. And God the Father determined that it would be a time of peace. And it was. Let's turn to uh, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Now, it was during this time, in fact, starting in 27 BC, that the first emperor of the Roman Empire was in place. And many consider him to be the greatest emperor of the history of the Roman Empire. His name was Caesar Augustus. And sure enough, here he is in the Bible. Luke 2, beginning in verse 1, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, this couldn't have been done any other time. During a time of war, there would have been too much fighting going on, too much confusion, uh, limited 
travel. But during this period of time, the Roman Empire, emperor said, we're going to take a census of the entire empire. It says, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee, where he had been living, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. So everybody living in the Roman Empire had to go to the town of their ancestors. So Joseph and Mary packed up and traveled to Jerusalem, a distance of about 40 miles uh, to register for the census. Isn't that interesting that God chose the Roman emperor to fulfill a prophecy about where Jesus was going to be born? <laughs> Instead of being born in Nazareth, where Mary and Joseph were living at the time, they traveled to Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. And there was born the bread of life, as Jesus is known. So perfect, perfect setting. As I said, God used the first and greatest emperor of the Roman Empire to fulfill the prophecy that Jesus, the bread of life, would be born in Bethlehem. All prepared by God, the Father, in advance. Now secondly, in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13. Matthew 2 and verse 13. So they were able to travel all this distance because it was a time of peace in the land. And there was an increase in the amount of safety as you travel. Back in those days, you were taking a great risk to travel across country because there were a lot of bandits, there were a lot of, a lot of thieves, and uh, you could get yourself into a lot of trouble, but they were able to travel peacefully. So they did travel to Bethlehem and Jesus was born there. Now we know that there was a semi-crazy ruler locally by the name of Herod, and he heard news that a king had been born, this child, Jesus. And he felt very threatened. He was a little psychotic and uh, you know, was afraid of anybody threatening his rulership in the land of Judea there. So he decided that uh, we got to kill this baby because I want to remain in charge. I want to remain king in Judea. So what happened was when Jesus was born, it talks here about the wise men coming to visit him. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. As I said, this was a trip of about 40 miles. Would have taken them about three days on foot or riding on a donkey. But you know what? The reason that they were able to make this journey was because the Roman Empire had built roads. One of the great things about the Roman Empire, they were such an advanced civilization, they built 50,000 miles of roads. Now, one of the main reasons they did this was to be able to move their troops throughout the Roman Empire wherever they needed to go in case of war. But Joseph and Mary were able to travel on Roman roads 
which made their trip so much easier. These roads made for safer travel, not just for Joseph and Mary, but especially at the start of the New Testament church, that gospel message had to travel, and it did. And the reason it was able to travel to so many different countries was because of the Roman roads that had been built. God prepared this in advance. It was the right time for Jesus to be born. Communication was improved in the Roman Empire, especially during the period of peace. Communication was improved. Uh, the common form of the Greek language became the language of the Roman Empire. You would think, well, wait a minute. If it's the Roman Empire, weren't they speaking Latin? No, they were not. They were speaking Greek. Don't forget the Greeks had come before the Romans and the Greek became the common language throughout the Roman Empire. Do you know that the Jews living in Judea at the time, their number one language was Greek. Jesus would have spoken not only Aramaic and Hebrew, but Greek, because it was the common language. And uh, the New Testament writers wrote the entire New Testament in Greek. So this is another thing that made Jesus' birth at the right time. The story about Jesus, the teachings of Jesus needed to spread throughout the land, and they did because everybody spoke Greek. Even the Old Testament eventually became translated into Greek. It was called the Septuagint. And uh, 150 years before Jesus, this happened. It enabled Jesus and the disciples to preach the gospel to different groups and individuals, people from different countries. The communication was in Greek. And you know, the Great Commission had to be fulfilled in Acts 1, verse 28. What did Jesus say before he left, before he ascended back up into heaven? He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And that happened on Pentecost. He says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the earth here basically referred to the Roman Empire at the time, although it did go beyond the Roman Empire. History tells us that the gospel at the time of the New Testament church beginning, the gospel traveled not just throughout the Roman Empire, it traveled into Asia, and it made its way as far as China and Japan. There were Christians there, there were churches there in history. So this Great Commission was fulfilled, and one of the main reasons was not only the roads that had been built in the Roman Empire, the common language of Greek that everybody would have communicated the gospel with. It was the perfect time for Jesus to be born and for all these things to be started. Another thing about Rome during this period of time is the Roman Empire was very tolerant in religious matters. They allowed Christians to worship and evangelize as long as they did not disturb the peace. That's what the Romans were concerned about. They wanted this Pax Romana, this peace of Rome, to just go through the land. They didn't want anybody stirring up trouble. In fact, whenever Paul or any of the other apostles were preaching, 
when they were taken by their enemies and brought before authorities, they weren't accused of preaching Christ because they were allowed to do that. They were accused of disturbing the peace. Look at an example here in Acts chapter 16 and verse 20. This is just one example. There are several in the book of Acts. Paul's enemies brought Paul and Silas before the magistrates, and what did they say? Arrest these guys because they're preaching Jesus. No. He said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar, disturbing the peace of Rome, in other words. And they tried to get them arrested and thrown into jail because they were stirring up trouble. Now, the scene had been set in the Roman Empire for Jesus to arrive on the scene and then for the New Testament church to begin and to grow and to grow and to grow. There was a certain right that people had at this time if they were Roman citizens. That was an extra blessing that you can have or an extra, uh, how shall I say, right or uh, freedom that you had in the Roman Empire. Roman citizenship allowed you to have special rights, even as a Christian. And once again, looking at the example of the Apostle Paul, in one case, he was taken by his enemies, brought before the Roman magistrates, and they started to beat on him, put him in chains and, and beat on him. And in Acts chapter 22, let me turn there. Acts chapter 22. So going along with this freedom that they had in the Roman Empire, especially if you are a Roman citizen, which Paul was, Acts 22, beginning in verse 22, the crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him, he's not fit to live. So these were Paul's enemies criticizing his preaching of the gospel. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the commander ordered Paul to be taken into the barracks. He directed that he be flogged and questioned in order to find out why the people were shouting at him like this. As they stretched him out to flog him, Paul said to the centurion standing there, is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? So Paul stated, hey, you're doing this to me and I have got rights. You're not allowed to flog a Roman citizen like you're doing. When the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and reported it. What are you going to do, he asked. This man is a Roman citizen. The commander went to Paul and asked, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I am, he answered. Then the commander said, I had to pay a big price for my citizenship, but I was born a citizen, Paul replied. So if you were born in the Roman Empire, if your father was a Roman citizen, you were automatically a Roman citizen as a child. Otherwise, you can buy citizenship if you had enough money, and it was very expensive. So it says in verse 29, those who were about to question him withdrew immediately. The commander himself was alarmed when he realized that he had put Paul, a Roman citizen, into chains. So many Christians were Roman citizens, and they had extra special rights. They couldn't be taken advantage of. They couldn't have been arrested or punished 
Paul had the right to have his case heard by the emperor himself, and that's what he did in the book of Acts. They were going to try him locally, and he said, as a Roman citizen, I demand to be taken to Rome and have my case heard by the emperor. And the end of the book of Acts talks about Paul's final sailing to Rome, where his trial took place and where his plea was heard by the emperor himself. But you know, it turned out to be good. God planned it so that when Paul was in Rome, in jail for two years, waiting for his trial, he had the opportunity to preach and converted many. He talked to the, about the gospel to many people. So the apostle Paul is one who was a Christian and a Roman citizen and was given all the rights of his citizenship in the Roman Empire as he was preaching. Now, Jesus Christ was not a Roman citizen, but the Apostle Paul was. Jesus was merely a Roman subject, but we all know he had great respect for the laws of the Roman Empire. You remember the one case where uh, the Pharisees came and, and questioned him and asked him if he was going to pay his taxes as a, as a subject in the Roman Empire. And what did Jesus do? He had them catch a fish and they said, uh, check inside the fish's mouth there and they found a Roman coin. And uh, Jesus said, whose likeness is on the coin? And since it was a Roman coin, they said, well, it's the emperor, it's a Roman coin. And what did Jesus say? He said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but render to God the things that are God's. The perfect answer for the question. <laughs> they said, whose side are you on, God's side or the Roman side? He said, you know what, I'm on God's side, but I have respect for the Roman Empire, and I'm going to do my best to obey the laws and pay taxes. <laughs> so we're members of the kingdom of God, but we're also citizens of the United States. We have a dual citizenship, don't we? Amen. We're citizens of the kingdom of God and we're citizens of America. God comes first, but we should be responsible as citizens of the United States, regard their laws and pay their taxes. Amen. So God prepared a time for Jesus to arrive on the scene. And he worked behind the scenes, blessing the Roman Empire, if you will, with a time of peace and prosperity so that preparations could be made. You know, the Romans not only built 50,000 miles of road for travel, it was a, a peaceful time where travel became safer. Uh, Rome also developed shipping to the point that uh, people could sail they also specialized in navigation. There were great strides made by the Romans in navigation so people can sail to distant places more easily. And again, not only Paul, but so many of the apostles and later disciples of, the, of theirs throughout history took the gospel around the world by sailing and by traveling on Roman roads. So God made these preparations in advance. He saw to it that the gospel was going to be able to spread and also that Jesus was going to be able to speak freely. And he had that right and that privilege in the Roman Empire. 
Nobody was going to do anything about it except the Jews, of course, who didn't believe that he was the Son of God. So since the Jews disliked the Roman domination over them, it made them hungry for the Messiah to arrive. So that's another thing that God took into consideration. I want my son to be down there on earth when the Jews are hungry for a message, hungry for the Messiah, hungry for forgiveness. And many Jews, of course, we know during Jesus' ministry were, became Christian. So it was a time where the Jews had been prepared too. Throughout all their history of offering sacrifices for their sins, they would have some understanding of someone who died a bloody death, just like those animals did at the temple who were killed for the forgiveness of sins for the people when it came time to one giving the ultimate sacrifice on the cross for the sins of the human race they would be more likely to understand that. In fact, the mystery religions in the Roman Empire, because don't forget, they were uh, very open to religion and religious practices in the empire. The mystery religions of the day required their worshipers to offer bloody sacrifices to their gods. Again, animal sacrifices. Thus making the gospel of Jesus which involved one ultimate blood sacrifice on the cross, believable to them. So that opened the door for pagans to come to Christ, to hear the gospel message and to believe. Furthermore, you know, Rome had a tremendous army and they drafted soldiers from all parts of the kingdom, the, the Roman Empire from distant countries, they were all brought to Rome to serve the nation, to serve the empire as soldiers. So they were introduced to new ideas, you know, far from the distant homes, you know, living out in the sticks and wherever they lived, they were brought to Rome and it introduced them to new ideas such as the gospel. And when these soldiers returned back to their homes after serving years in the Roman army, they took the gospel back with them. And so the gospel spread to distant countries. Amen. So in so many ways, God had prepared this for the, not only the birth and the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but that people would believe and that the gospel once established would travel to foreign countries, allowing the spread of the church. In fact, history says that the gospel first reached the British Isles as a result of Roman Christian soldiers stationed there. Amen. So God prepared perfectly. And as the scripture said, when the time had fully come, when time was right, when everything was prepared, that's when he sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. And you know what? In a similar way, God's perfect timing takes place in each of our lives today. How many times have you been anxious for something to happen? <laughs> or regretting that something didn't happen sooner? 
and maybe blaming God, saying, boy, God, can you just hurry up and answer this prayer of mine? You know, I need to have this done. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in a rush here. Can you just please intervene and make this happen? And God says, listen, I'm in charge. If I was able to plan all of this for an entire empire and kingdom, don't you think I've got the perfect timing in your life? And, you know, sometimes things finally happen and you realize, you know, if that would have happened sooner, when I was demanding it of God, it wouldn't have worked. God's timing is perfect. And his timing is perfect in each of our lives. His timing was perfect for the, the birth of Jesus and the spread of the gospel. And once we believe in Jesus and put our lives in his hands, his timing will always be perfect for each of us. And that gives us peace to know that God's in charge. And it's a good thing that we're not totally in charge of our lives because we screw it up for sure. (laughs) But God oversees the big picture. And someday he's going to explain to us why everything happened in our lives the way it did. It was for his purpose and for our blessing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for explaining a little bit of history to us and giving us an insight as to how you were really involved in the birth of Jesus. So much so that you prepared a time for him to be born. You prepared all of the circumstances surrounding his birth and also the birth of the church. So Father, help us to put our faith and confidence in you, knowing that you know what's best. Let your will be done in our lives as it is in the whole earth and in heaven. So Father, help us to submit to you in all things and to look to you for guidance and leadership and wisdom in everything we do in our Christian journey. We want you to know, Father, that we love you very much and we appreciate the fact that you sent your son to this earth to die on our behalf and that his righteousness, all of his goodness is now credited to our account. Even though we don't deserve it, you have blessed us in that way and you have promised us eternal life with you. So thank you, Father. Thank you so much for all you have done and continue to do for each of us. And we give thanks in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. We'll have a final song and then the benediction.